Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, happy Mother's Day to you. The draft has passed. We've got a couple guys that we're going to talk about today. I'm really excited. What about you? All the same way, JB. It's uh, you know the, the draft is in, it's, the draft is over. You know the Bears had 11 picks and then another 17, 18 guys for the UDFA market. So you know this roster churn has already started to happen. Yeah, and we're going to talk about a couple of the draft picks. We're going to start, as we always do, we always start in the trenches. It worked out really well that we get to do that again here. uh, We are starting with a conversation about the new center for the Bears, Doug Kramer out of Illinois. We're going to have an Illinois expert in here in a second. And I wanted to start off by sharing a couple of things that I'm really into. I'm into this uh, relative athletic score from... Uh, math bomb on Twitter. Kentley Platty is a, a good dude. I've met him a couple times. Uh, talked to him a few times. I'm using his stuff a lot and I want to make sure I'm getting, giving him credit because it's yeah. really cool stuff. Um, but I, I want to share Doug Kramer's relative athletic score. And so w- what this does, and so for you that are listening that can't see this, there's there's a score that's uh, that's calculated based on testing numbers and based on measurables. So, you know, height, weight, bench press, 40-yard dash, vertical jump, broad jump, things like that. Those are all compared against historical uh, uh, drafted players or undrafted free agents that catch on with teams that went through the, pre- the pre-draft process and they're ranked against them uh, that position group. And Doug Kramer is quite the athlete, which was a little bit of a surprise when I when I first pulled up his his RAS. And I, I'm comparing him on this first chart, for those of you that are viewing on the YouTube, uh, t- to Sam Mustafer, which... This is not to pick on Sam. Uh, you know, we we both have talked about how Sam has done very well for himself and where he was drafted. And, you know, we, we like Sam Mustafer. Um, it's just that clearly Ryan Poles was telling us that this was not the type of offensive lineman that he was looking for. And you can see a stark difference between Doug Kramer's relative athletic score and Sam Mustafer's. Uh, Doug Kramer's big score is 8.47 and it's lit up green, which means that it's in the top 20% of, of offensive center prospects. And Sam Mustafer's relative athletic score is a 0.90, which is a blinking red light, uh, which is not good. You know, it's the athletic profile. It's it's a 10-point scale, you know, which just kind of makes the, the RES kind of nice. It's really easy to understand, you know. And, and again, when you look at a guy like Doug Kramer, you know, two of his his red marks on here are height and weight. He's, he's 16, mm-hmm. 299, which is a little small for the NFL. But, you know, all his other numbers are are green or yellow, which is pretty good. So those the height and weight brings his overall number down quite a bit. You know, if it wasn't for that, which I, th- I think that's something he'll have to, you know, he'll have to have to add some size in the NFL, you know. But, uh, I mean, from an athletic profile, like it's like it shows here, he fits what the Bears want to do. Yeah, and and I also have another one that I pulled up, uh, and again, so the use, those of you that are watching on YouTube can see this. Uh, and if you're listening to this, thank you. Also, maybe check us out on YouTube as we're going to try to pull in some visuals over the year. Uh, this is Doug Kramer against the free agent that was signed, Lucas Patrick. And I think you can see what Ryan Poles liked here yeah. is that Doug Kramer is very similar to what Lucas Patrick was coming out in 2016 out of Duke. Um, similar scores. Lucas Patrick, a little bit of a better athlete, a little bit bigger of a guy. 
Um, but you wonder if they're looking to try to make their own Lucas Patrick yeah. <laughs> out of Doug Kramer. I mean, that, that makes sense. I mean, that's what the Packers did. When, when, when the Packers got Patrick, he, he wasn't a day one guy. It took him some time to, to really find his niche on the roster. And, you know, with Patrick, he played some guard, he played some center. And I think with, with Kramer at some point, He'll have to show an ability to go play some guard as well. I think in in, in college he was mostly center. Um, we'll, we'll find out more in a little while here. But I, I think that he'll, in order, you know, to to bolster what he brings his value to a to an NFL team, you got to play more than just one position on the interior. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, talking to EJ Snyder about Doug Kramer. You know, he had watched some Illinois offensive line tape for for one of their other players, and they had a tackle that he was interested in, and he was like. Yeah, Kramer didn't really stand out to me. Yeah. And, you know, and you've heard some things from our other colleague, Bill, who is kind of, uh, you know, mm, you know, Doug Kramer seems to spend a lot of time on the ground uh, and, and not so much uh, impressing him and, and leaping off the, the film. So we'll, we'll see what uh, what Drew has to say here. Um, but any any final thoughts before we welcome Drew in? Ah, oh, sounds good. Let's let's uh, let's let's you know, keep things rolling. All right. So we are happy to be joined here by Drew. And I'm going to, I'm going to take a shot at your name, but Go please for correct it. me. Uh, Drew Pastoric. Close, close. Ah. Pastoric, close. Pastoric. Pastoric. Okay. Okay. Emphasis okay. on the middle syllable there. You're pretty close. Though. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, apologies. I, I figured I'd take a shot, but no, you good. are from the, the champagne room. Uh, yes. So, so Illinois guy, welcome to Baron Balance. Thanks for having me, guys. Really uh, appreciate it. As a Bears fan and an Illini fan, this is kind of cool. So nice. Happy to be here. It's special interest for a guy like Kramer uh, to to be able to to make the leap from Illini to Bear, uh, or is you know does it does it give you a little extra special incentive to cheer for a guy like that? I think it does. I mean. You saw what happened when when Cole Komet got drafted a couple of years ago, right? I mean, like the whole town had like a parade yeah. for him. I mean, it was like, you know, you don't know what's going to happen long term. Of course, you know he might not even make the team. We don't know. He might be the next Olin Krutz. He might be a guy that doesn't make it out of camp. We never know. But I, I think you know, especially for me, someone who is on both sides of it, you know, an Illini fan and a Bears fan, uh, you can't help but root for him and. You know, I, I think based on what you guys were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, you know, he seems to fit the profile of a guy Ryan Poles likes. You know, he's moldable. He might not be versatile in the sense that he can play guard or center. He might be kind of locked into one spot. He might be a center-only guy. But, I mean, Owen Cruz was pretty damn good as just yeah. a center-only guy. So, I'm not saying he's Owen Cruz, but, I mean – the framework is there. He's a little, you know, average size, but like the, the tables and the stuff you were just talking about, I mean, he's played in a run oriented offense for five years. You know, he's a really good run blocker and he's been able to, you know, showcase that he's, you know, he's tough. He's gritty. I wrote some stuff down. So, oh man, gritty boy, gritty. preparing George McCaskey was sold. Go for it, baby. Um, so he doesn't have that, you know, elite, you know, quickness or agility that you might see from a first or second round pick, obviously. But, um, you know, five year starter started 48 games at Illinois, you know, regardless of how good Illinois has been over that time period, 
like you're a five year starter at a power five school. Like it's worth noting. It's a lot of experience. That's good. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, three time all Big Ten, three time academic all Big Ten. Like so, I mean, he's he's the goods. He's the real deal. Like he's the kind of guy you want in your locker room. He might not be a, a 10, 15 year pro. He might not be a, an all pro player, but he's definitely the type of guy that's a vocal leader. He leads by example. Um, Brett Bielema said uh, at some point during the year, he mentioned, uh, he alluded to uh, he and Jake Hansen, who was another uh, a linebacker that was an undrafted free agent with the Texans that, you know, those two guys, when they talked, people listened to them. Like they, you know, what they say, the message they brought carries weight. And this is a new regime. I don't want to say it's a rebuild. I don't really think it's a rebuild, but you're starting over with a new GM, new coaching staff. I mean, those are the kind of guys that you want, you know, guys that are going to give you that buy-in, guys that are going to work their asses off. And, you know, whatever he lacks in the you know, physical traits, he's going to make up for those intangibles and being tough and being ready to learn and absorb. Well, you know, you, you talk about the the physical, the the athletic ability is there, right? I mean, that that shows in the testing. The the undersizedness being that he's you know only six two, right? He's not six and, five, but right. that's for a center, that's center, fine. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I don't have that much of an issue. You know, three hundred pounds is is pretty light, um, but that's you know professional strength, not light for a lot of us, but you know, light for <laughs> like for an offensive lineman in the professional uh, league, you know, that that's a little on the light side, but that's also what I think Ryan Poles is looking for, right? He's looking for a little bit of a smaller line in that, in that scheme that he thinks can work. And so I'm, I'm not totally, you know, uh, you know, uh, too worried about that part of it. I obviously think you need some, some time to, to get in and, and, and get some, you know, professional uh, work with the nutritionist and all that kind of stuff to get his body where he needs to be, but not, not too worried about, about that piece of it. You mentioned something about the five-year starter, which is awesome type of guy that you want in the locker room. Was he a team captain uh, at all? Or, you know, how do you know that part of it? Yeah, he was a, a three-time team captain. So like, it goes back to what I said earlier, you know, two different coaching staffs, two different regimes, two completely different philosophies. And, you know, players, you know, listened to him, believed in him. You know, they saw those results on the field. He just delivered all the time. You know, like I said, he's not, he might not wow you on film or with the measurables, but he's going to be a really hardworking guy. And, you know, he's going to be dependable and stable and, you know, three-time captain, and, you know, last time I checked, the center quarterback relationship is pretty important. So that might be something that uh, works out well um, for, you know, he's I I want to say it was like 11 or 12 quarterbacks. It probably wasn't, but oh, it wow. felt like it. it sounds, um, yeah, yeah. That's, there that's were, good. you know, especially in the lovey years, there was, you know, some years they had three or four in a same season. So, I mean, there was a lot of instability there and the one constant, a couple of constants was the offensive line and, and Kramer was a big part of that. So um, I don't think he's going to have any problem adjusting. It's like, you know, you're a stud in high school, right? You go to college and you're like, Oh, everyone was a stud in high school. That's why we're here. You know, you get to college. It's like, Oh, everyone was pretty good in college. That's why we're here. So I, I think what you said is correct. You know, get him in the weight room, get him with the, you know, the nutritional staff and all of that. Illinois has got one of the best in football and they've got one of the best strength and conditioning programs in all of college football. In my opinion, their facilities are great. So he's not, you know, 
threadbare. He's not some guy coming in, you know, that is a project that, you know, maybe in five or six years you could, you know, do something with him. He's going to be ready to play. Um, and I don't think it'll take long for him to adapt to any scheme or anything like that. So, I mean, he, he's a smart kid ready to go and you know, maybe not plug and play right away, but I think he fills a need there. I think he, he provides some depth to a position that has not performed as well as it could have been the last you know couple of years. Well, the Bears are coming off a guy in Sam Musser who was a former undrafted free agent. So, mm-hmm. you know, Bears fans have seen a guy that have kind of had those those intangibles, you know, as far as his 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 his, his uh, football IQ, you know, his his understanding of the offense of of, of line play, and, and they saw him kind of building stuff up to a point where he can get on the field. You know, now the Bears in the sixth round have taken a guy, you know, very similar to that, where he has the the the, the smarts. You know, he understands, you know, the the leadership stuff, what it takes to be on, on the line and you know, he has a little bit of a higher pedigree, a little bit of a higher athletic profile. So if Doug Kramer is a guy that can kind of, you know, come in, you know, put his head down and go to work, and it sounds like that's the kind of guy he is, you know, he could be a guy that could eventually be a starter for the Bears at center. Yeah, I, I certainly think so. I mean, Illinois had a lot of linemen uh, the last couple of years. They've had a couple that have, like, stood out. Um, Nick Allegretti, who plays for the Chiefs, is one of them. Another late-round guy you know, stuck with it through a lot of lean times with the program. You know, he found a groove in Kansas City and, you know, he's been like sort of a swing, you know, guard set. You know, he's he's been a starter. He's been a backup guy. He's been a flex guy. Um, Kendrick Green, another guy with the Steelers, who was, uh, I think, a third round draft fix. I mean, he was regarded a little highly. I think his, his uh, you know, his measurables were a little bit better, you know, his overall performance as far as, you know, run and pass block, it might've been a little bit better. Um, but I mean, the big 10 puts out a lot of linemen, you know, it's, it, you don't get to the big 10 on the offensive line and stick around for five years and start 48 games because you can't play because you can't do it. So uh, I certainly think that he has potential, you know, obviously a lot can happen. You never know, but yeah, as we said at the start, you know, as an Illinois fan watching him, you know, seeing how bad the program was at points during the, the lovey tenure and then shifting to Brett Bielma, you know, he likes a, a physical, you know, downhill, you know, smash mouth kind of game. And lovey had some more, you know, read option type stuff, you know, had more mobile quarterbacks, whereas Brett Bielma wants the more, you know, drop back style. So I think Justin Fields kind of combines those two where obviously he can throw like as well as anybody in the NFL, uh, but can also have some escapability and mobility. And, and Kramer's shown the ability that he can move in that respect. You know, he, he is a very good run blocker. So I think he meshes those two traits together pretty well. And, you know, excited to see what he does in camp and moving forward. And, you know, I think we'll be seeing him on the field at some point, you know, in, in 2022. I really do. You mentioned the, you know, run blockings, kind of the, that's, that's what you guys are doing, right? Mostly, mostly in the run game at Illinois. What was he expected to do? Was he, you know, a lot of double teams kind of trying to dig out big nose tackles? Was he getting to the second level to try to get linebackers? Was he doing any center pulling or anything fun like that? Like, what did you see out of him in terms of his responsibilities and what he was doing? Um, I, That's, 
That one, that's kind of tough for me as a five foot, 10, 170 pound guy. Okay. Like, Here's what he's doing that you, you know, well, I just, I, you know, so, sometimes oh, yeah, that yeah. can kind of, they'll highlight those like center poles if that happens. It's yeah, a little bit I more mean, advanced, but I, you know. And Illinois had kind of a two pronged thing last year. They had Chase Brown, who was more of a east west, you know, guy. And then Josh McCray was like the bowling ball, like 6'1, 240, you know, like a Najee Harris kind of type build to him. Um, so, I mean, I think he's, he's flexible enough in the run game that he can handle both. Um, from what I saw, and I'm not the, you know, I'm not the, the tape guy. I don't sit and, you know, parse and, and, you know, obsess over it, but I mean, he's been able to, to block for various types of runners throughout his career. Um, so whether that's quarterback, you know, whether it's, you know, split out, whether it's, you know, eye formation straight ahead. So, I mean, I, I think that. Um, whatever he's asked to do, he's got the the tools and the smarts to to make that work. You know, I think that points to to, to his, his 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 intelligence. He's able to kind of, yeah. you know, thrive in two different schemes there. And then he's come, of course going to the NFL. Now he has a, a brand new scheme to learn here. But but again, you talk about his leadership. You know, his 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 intelligence on the field. You know, I think all of that points to it. Then is it, he only had what, 47, 48 games started in college. So so all that bodes well for him moving forward. And again we're talking about a sixth round draft pick. I mean, these guys, you know, the, the, the hit rate on these are, are, you know, 50, 50 at best, you know? So, I mean, if worst case scenario, if he has to take uh, some time on the practice squad, you know, I, th- I think that's fine because, you know, like we've talked about the potentials there, you know, if you're going to bet on a guy late in the draft, you either go with traits as far as, and then those traits are either athletic, which he has, or you look for someone that has the, has the, has the, has the, has the, has the football IQ to really, you know, grasp what he's learning here and, and move forward. And, you know, Ryan Poles wants a certain kind of guy, you know, yeah. uh, they want that, that, like you said, the gritty guy, you know, they want the guy that is, that is tough minded, um, but they also want a guy that is smart. And I think with Doug Kramer, he fits a lot of those intangibles that they want, which is why, you know, as fans, we see the upside and we see it there. Yeah, and I think, you know, as you look at the Bears holistically last year, I mean, penalties, discipline was a big part of their issues. <laughs> so you're like, don't even get me started. Um, interestingly enough, the uh, NFL Network, I don't know if you'd seen this earlier today, they were showing that Bears-Steelers game from Monday night. <laughs> and it was like every third play, there was like an offsides or a false start or a holding. Or so like discipline's been a huge issue for this team for – ever and you know he's going to be a guy that's going to be disciplined he's going to stay focused and you know especially you know being a center you're having your hand on the ball all the time so you've got to be mindful of that and and those traits we talked about you know not just as a football player but as a student athlete you know he's ready to work he's dependable he's tough-minded and I, I think he is the type of player that Ryan Poles would want. And as you mentioned, you know, it's it's a lottery ticket situation. You're hope if you draft five guys in the sixth round, you hope that you know maybe one of them makes the team yeah. and you know makes a really positive impact. And look at around the league. I mean, most of the teams comprise of fifth, sixth, seventh round guys. It's not all, you know, top 10 draft picks, second round. I mean, these are you know the glue guys that kind of hold your team together that you build your team around. And, you know, the offensive line and you had, you know, Jones and, and Carter, the other two draft picks that were more like projectable that looked well, but they were from smaller schools. This is kind of the opposite. This is the guy who was at a power five school 
and didn't maybe have the off the charts measurable stuff. Um, he's more of a ready to go guy, whereas those other two might be more of a, of a project, uh, in my opinion. But yeah, take a swing and you know, as I mentioned a couple of times, he's the guy you want in your locker room. You know, he's going to absorb that information and he's going to make it work and he's going to translate that and make it transmittable on the field with whoever you know is under center. Awesome stuff, Drew. Really appreciate it. I would wish the Illini good luck in the coming season, but to be honest with you, as a Hawkeye fan, I, I just yeah. don't really care. And <laughs> I and I I'm I live in Cedar Rapids, so oh, that's I'm, where I'm from. I'm surrounded by oh yeah, black and gold and black and gold everywhere, man. Yeah, everywhere. Oh, by the way, Illinois does not have a rivalry with Penn State, but they do have one with Ohio State, which is even odder to me. That doesn't make um, any sense. The Illabuck Trophy. If you haven't seen that, you gotta Google that. It's like a, it's like an otter turtle thing. I, I don't know where it came from. It can't possibly and, be worse than the original Cyhawk Trophy when they re-engaged the Iowa Iowa State. Yeah. That is the worst yeah. looking trophy I've ever seen in my life. Bad. So, Almost, uh, well, and the Iowa Nebraska one was pretty bad too, though. Like, yeah. was that like the farmers like holding hands? Was that or is that the is that the Cyhawk one? The yeah. Cyhawk was like a farmer kneeling and handing yes. like a bounty. That was the Cy- the original Cyhawk trophy, which is just you Wes, know. you got you got to Google it, man. It's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have makes, to go look at those. Yeah, yeah, it's, it makes every like <laughs> awful trophy or awful bowl game just look tame in comparison. Really and and they, to their credit, they yanked it and they said, they this they is, even, not even for the yeah, first. Let's game. get rid They've of it. Let's move game. on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. exactly. Drew, really appreciate the knowledge. Really appreciate the time coming on on Mother's Day and all that. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll look forward to talking to you in the future to check up on your feelings about Doug Kramer starting center for the Bears in 2023. Uh, they just got to put a 57 on him, right? That's the cure, right? That's the, that's that's the, the cure. Yeah, It'll yeah. Make him ornery, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Drew. You know, talking to Drew, I the one thing that I'm really – kind of hearing is you know five years starter he said yeah. 48 48 starts and then you've got a guy who was a team captain for three years and he mentioned academic all conference or academic all american whatever okay so you've got a guy who played a lot of football you got a guy that is intelligent you know he tested well you know again the film might not be where you want it to be but that's the, it's the the genetic makeup of a guy that you want as that gritty guy that, Hey, you know, we think this guy's got a chance to learn from Lucas Patrick and maybe that center, that starting center next year. You know, I kind of saw some of the same stuff that, that Bill saw, you know, when I was watching some of the film, you know, he does get on the ground, some of the stuff. So, you know, some of that can be cleaned up, you know, with, with technique, you know, but you know, the experience is there, you know, he definitely fits. He just fits. Like one thing, one thing I looked at when the, when the bears draft was over, I went to the bios and, a lot of the draft class and the the guys that the Bears signed, you know, f- former captains. Um, they're involved in charities off the field. You know, they're they're the kind of type of player and the type of human being that this organization wants to bring in. And I thought that was kind of cool because you know they do have a type. You know, not just f- from on the field, which is the stuff that you wrote about on, on the profile you did a couple weeks ago. You know, but off field as well as they want a guy that you know, are, are good for the community that, that are good football players. And I think it's uh, I think we're seeing that now with, with Ryan Poles. Yeah. It, you know, it's one thing for a new general manager or a new coach, or whatever, to come in and say, you know, this is what we're building and we want culture and we're, you know, we're into this and we're into that. And 
And then, you know, you, you get that opportunity to bring that guy in that has a few red flags, but he's really good at football. Yeah. yeah. And, and that like story that they tell you at the beginning sort of goes out the window and they start bringing in these guys that, you know, don't really reflect the type of culture or what we feel like our locker room that we've built can handle a guy like this. And then, you know, things implode, like we're going to bring in Martellus Bennett and Brandon Marshall and everything's going to be, and Jay Cutler's the quarterback and everything's going to be fine. Right. And eventually that's, it's just the powder keg, right? It's, it's going to blow up on you. Um, and so I, I wanted to mention another thing. We talked about Olin a little bit and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about that stuff with Olin, but one of the things that Olin really defended about Sam Mustafer was just how good he was at the mental processing piece, yeah. being able to, to, to see, uh, you know, the defense and call out uh, protections and, and the and, line set. Yeah. That, that's key for a center. You have to have to have to understand the pass pro. I mean, it's all about the pass pro at the NFL level. If the center can take that responsibility and it's not something the quarterback has to be, you know, really worried about. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's the quarterback has final call. So when, when, when it's set, if something happens, something changes, the quarterback has to make that change. But it's the center, the smart centers, they got to get things set set quickly. Yeah, it's the guys that have been around for a long time, they they have to be able to do that. You know, um, sometimes a quarterback, especially a veteran quarterback, they can take the pressure off of a young guy, um, and 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 they can uh, they can make the line calls. And some of those some of those quarterbacks prefer it, right? Like that, they want to be the ones that are making the the line calls, but. You know, most of these guys that have been around a long time, these centers that stick around from the mental aspect, that's that's what they're they're doing, that they are the ones that are making those line calls. And if a guy like Kramer has, you know, and again, an academic all conference, academic American, that could just mean that he's really good at whatever he majored in. um, And that doesn't necessarily always translate onto football smarts. But if like there is a bit of you know, some correlation there the where, you know, if you're a smart guy, generally you can, you can translate that onto the field. So, so hopefully that's, that's something that he's going to be able to do. Um, and, you know, he, he won't be allowed on the field until he gets there, but that's, that's something I'm looking for. But I, I think that profile, we don't have enough data. It's only one draft uh, and it's only one free agency period, but that, that profile that we're starting to build about what Ryan Poles wants to do here. I think there's some valuable information in this draft class. And like you yeah. said, a lot of team captains, a lot of guys that are involved in the community. You know, we've got an academic all, you know, performer here. Um, I, that stuff's going to, I'm starting to tally that. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, Matt Eberflus wants, you know, his hits principle, you know, it's, it's hustle. It's, it's all about going, you know, hundred percent at all times when you're on the field. And yes, that's for his defense, but he also wants that for his offense as well. This is, which kind of goes in lockstep with Ryan Poles. He wants his O-line, you know, play through the whistle kind of mentality. And that goes with the hits principle. So, you know, if you're seeing this, you know, the head coach and the GM, they both have the exact same idea. And, 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 and the more we've learned here, we kind of see why Poles pick, pick this head coach. You know, we see how their philosophies kind of mesh and, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, as fans looking now, like, yeah, I can see why they don't, they got, they got the coach, they have the players, you know, the, the, the guys in free agency, you know, it's, it's all the, you know, it, it'll be so cool at some point in a few years, we look back and say, oh yeah, that's a bears guy in the draft. You know, when the, when the, when the right. bears pick a guy, you're like, that's the guy. Of course, that's a Bears guy. I mean, that's going to be so cool at some point if the Bears can get their their franchise to a point where we're seeing that as fans. Because when you when you have that, you know, then you do have that culture. The culture it permeates through the entire organization. 
you know, they all have the same, you know, the, the same goals. They're all going the same direction. And, you know, like you talked about then at, at that point, maybe you do, you know, uh, roll the dice for the guy that comes in with a couple flags, maybe, you know, but where this young roster is now, they're not, they're not in a position to do that. You know, and that could be why we saw them, you know, and a few other teams passing a guy like George Pickett's in the draft, because, you know, there were a few question marks and, you know, seeing that now we're like, yeah, I guess that does make sense why they would pass on him and go with a guy like Bellis Jones, who, you know, so far through the first mini camp, you know, he, he seems like, you know, he, he fits all the profiles, you know, from right. an athletic standpoint, you know, really smart guy, you know, he comes, you know, ready to work. So, you know, you can see it, it's starting to show. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. Again, it's not, you don't have enough data where you can say like, I know exactly the types of guys oh, yeah. that he's going to go after, but if he continues down this path, it does create a profile and it's something that we can use as a little bit of a predictor tool, right? Where it's like, you know, in the past, he really hasn't, he hasn't been willing to sacrifice what he's building to take a guy like George Pickens. A lot of teams weren't by the way. Yeah. Right. I mean that you probably, yeah. All the bears fans, me included was me like, included. Hey, Hey, George Pickens, 39. Let's do it. And clearly there were, there were some issues. Yeah, that at least perceived issues by the general manager and, and general managers of a lot of teams. Fine. Right. We don't know that. We we aren't in on the interviews. We don't we're not privy to the the medical reports, right? And we can only we can only evaluate so much. But you know, I was struck by what you said in terms of, well, that's a Bears guy. That's a Bears pick, right? And and thinking about some of these longtime general managers, uh, like you know, Howie Roseman with the Eagles or, uh, you know, like Ozzy with the with the Ravens, Ravens right? Yeah. Where, the, you know, the Ravens just did it with, you know, Ozzy's not there. It's not Eric DaCosta, but they just, they're their first round. You know, they take a couple guys and it's like, ah, it's just such a Ravens pick. They took the yeah. best player. You know, they just, they just, you know, they got the guy that they want. They're going to fit perfect. That guy's going to be a 10, 12 year starter for them. And it just makes sense, right? It's just this, their approach how they do things. People just know like, ah, that's the Ravens. Be nice if it was like, man, dang, the Bears, Bears got a good one. You know, they, you know what the Bears are doing and they stick to their philosophy and they keep plugging guys in that fit the system. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the goal. The ultimate goal is a franchise to have that, that long-term guy, you know, that long-term success, you know, the, the, the Patriot way, you know, so to speak, you know, about, about what they do as organization and, you know, it didn't happen with, you know, Pace didn't happen before with Emery, you know, uh, Jerry Angelo before that. I mean, it just hasn't been the sustained success in this organization. It's been a long time. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a bit older than you. So, so I remember back when it, there was a, a bear way, when there was a, a bear philosophy, when, when they, when they did have that, it's been a long time. I mean, that had to be way back. Right. <laughs> that, what are you talking about? Like, well, I mean, like the eighties, they had a, a lot of sustained success. The draft they sure. had there, you know, they had, uh, you know, the, the, the defensive mindset, you know, they had uh, Peyton at the tailback. So, you know, they had a nice philosophy, a nice run in the eighties, you know, only one title, you know, but as far as, as a fan cheering for a team where they're always in the playoff mix, I mean, that's all we can ask for. If we can get right. the bears to a point where every year they're in the mix, you know, I mean the, the Packers, I mean, a lot of Bears fans will will make jokes about all oh, the Packers have had like what two titles in the last thirty years. So I kill about, for that, you know. But they're they're, <laughs> they're always in the mix, right. they're always in the playoffs. They always got a shot, you know. And that's man, as fans, that's all we want. I mean, yes, I want you know multiple titles. Sure, that's not realistic, you know. That's that's the Patriots. That's Tom Brady. That doesn't happen very often. So, if you can have a team that's 
that's always there, always competing. That's all we can ask for. Yeah, I just, you know, I would just like one, you know, but yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not going to get greedy. I'm like, I want five, right? Well, let's, I want to talk about Jaquan Brisker, and we're we're going to welcome our second guest on here in a little bit. Uh, yeah. You want to take a quick commercial break for the pod? Yeah, let's do here. that. All let's right, let's pay good. some bills. Let's let somebody pay for the drinks later on tonight. All right, Lester. So let's talk about Jaquan Brisker. So I, I man, I'm excited about this guy. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear a little bit more about him. I want to, I want to do the same thing we did uh, with Kramer. I'm going to share relative athletic score and I'm going to set up clay here. Um, who we're going to uh, bring on here in a minute, but relative athletic score. And I pulled Adrian Amos, Penn state uh, alum as well. And man, they're similar. They, they are both really athletic, uh, Brisker's a little taller and a little leaner, a little fat and, you know, a decent amount faster, but very similar athletically. And I just think of how well Amos and Brisker work together on the back end, or sorry, Amos and, and Eddie Jackson work together mm-hmm. in the back end. And if Brisker can allow uh, Jackson to return to form, I mean, that this is one of those picks that may be making other guys better. Yeah. And, and that that's that's kind of the first thing that jumped off to me was like, oh, man, not just because they're both from Penn State, but this could be a pretty nice uh, addition to really tie that secondary together. Well, this is the comp that a lot of Bears fans make because, you know, the last time the Bears had two quality safeties was when it was Eddie Jackson and Amos. So if Brisker can bring some of the same stuff that 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 we saw with Amos. I mean, that's a win, you know, the, with with a guy like Amos, he was, I believe, a fifth round draft pick. So no one really expected him to, to have that. He did not have the same pedigree that that, that, that the Bears have now in, in, in Brisker. You know, Brisker, the upside is is way higher than it was with Amos. Amos has had a hell of a career. Um, you know, he's made a ton of money. He's had some 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 Pro Bowls. So he he is, you know, has has. You know, he took he, he maximized his talent. He did everything he could with it. You know, he's he's on a good path. Brisker, though, man, the sky's the limit. And, you know, you hear some fans talk about the value of a safety in the second round. And I get that, you know, because there's you know, but you have to look at how the board was stacked. And it's at some point we're assuming as fans that we're assuming that Brisker was pretty high on their board, you know, and yes, the value may not be there as a safety. But once they get on the field, you know, once we see how, how he performs, all that goes out the window. You know, the, the draft status, I don't care about it. You know, pretty much in my mind, draft status is done now. They're, they're pros now. Get on the field, get a camp, perform. And if he does that and he wins a, a, a job as a starter day one, which I think he has a good shot at doing that, that's a pretty damn good draft pick. Heck, yeah. And it really makes the the Crookshank pick, uh, pick up in free agency make a little bit more sense. That's a guy that you can bring in on a big nickel situation. And I, I just, I, I compared him on bears over beers. I said, it was like the big Lebowski, the dude's rug just really ties the room together. It does. I really feel like yeah. this guy's tying the second degree together. I'm really excited about it, but uh, well, without further ado, Lester, let's bring on our next guest, uh, clay, uh, <laughs> name that I'm not quite sure how to pronounce, but let's, let's try it. Sour Teague. Close enough. That works. Okay. Works. Clay uh, writes for Penn State Rivals and GBT Sports. Welcome to Baron Balance. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, glad you reached out. Looking forward to talk some Jaquan Brisker. Uh, fantastic player, also a fantastic kid. Always nice to know when you when you're getting a good guy in the room. Uh, and looking forward to kind of chatting it up with you guys. 
Well, I, I talked a little bit about their athletic profiles and how, you know, Adrian Amos, also a Nittany Lion, and how they kind of reminded me of each other. But you just mentioned right off the top that he's a really good guy. And that's this is a, a recurring theme with Chicago Bears draft picks under the new general manager, Ryan Poles. Can you expand on that a little bit? Tell us, you know, why you that was one of the first things that you wanted to talk about with Jaquan Brisker. Yeah, it's just, I mean, he's somebody I, I've been around the program last handful of years since he's been as a beat writer gotten the chance to talk to Jaquan a number of years um really humble kid really hardworking. I know there was some issues with some comments made but again I think the point there being a very hardworking guy who loves football very thoughtful in his answers not a lot of one-word answers in terms of post-game interviews um happy to talk about the game as much as his development um a really good relationships guy I mean we had Penn State just had its blue-white game, and they're going to have a, a safety coming out next year named Jair Brown, who's going to be probably a second, third-round pick, who talked about how much Jaquan helped him grow, um, not just at Penn State, but his teammates beforehand at, at Lackawanna Community College. Um, I think that's another big thing. People sometimes look at Juco guys and go, oh, well, what are your grades, what's the issue there? But to me, it shows that his, his growth um, did, did everything he needed to do at Lackawanna to, to get here. Um Came Penn State and was immediately a very useful player. Made huge strides between his first year and second year, and then second year and third year. And I think there might even be another level there. Um, a very intelligent player. I, I really think that that in the modern NFL, particularly in sub packages where you can come down and play against the run, uh, you're getting a heck of a player. Yeah, you mentioned him coming out of the box, and you know he's not the biggest of guy, but when you watch him on film, you know he he will stick his nose in there, he will set the edge, he will do whatever it takes, he will fill that gap, and I think from a physical standpoint, he has he has all that what it takes to be in the NFL. Yeah, uh, to me, it's it's not only that he has the sideline sideline feed, but he's not the type of guy too that's going to run himself out of plays. I mean, he's he's diagnosis quick, and he makes a beeline to the ball. He's not going to get lost in terms of play action or, or, or counter action or things like that. Um, a very heady player to go along with the athletic uh, ability. And I heard you mention before I came on positional value. I think had it not been for the lack of positional value for a safety, he's a first round level prospect towards the back end there. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, on my other podcast host, EJ Snyder really gets into the scouting aspect of all of this. He said that Brisker was the most uh, scheme agnostic safety in the draft meaning that he could have gone anywhere and been successful because his reps were split uh you know coming down into the box and, and filling in the run fits uh he was you know covering tight ends carrying them up the field he you know he's able to sit back as a free safety it is that is that how they used him at penn state was that you know is that is that basically a position for your defense where you know, you, you want a safety that can be that versatile or was it because of Brisker that they were able to do all those different things? I would say a very dynamic player. I would say in his junior year, he had to be more of that free safety role because the safety playing opposite him was not quite as strong. This year, he had the advantage of working with Jair Brown, who I mentioned, who I think is going to be an NFL player, could come up in the box, could be was a, a fantastic blitzer, could make plays around the line of scrimmage. But he's also able to, to drop back in coverage, to diagnose plays, to to kind of carry guys up the field. Um, the interception numbers don't th show that way, but he wasn't thrown towards a lot. Um, had big interception towards the end of the game against Wisconsin that sealed that. Um, had a number of big plays, run stops to keep them in games against Ohio State and against Michigan. 
Um, a very, very versatile player who I, I think most times you'd like him to be able to kind of get up around there and cause havoc, whether it's blitzing or against the run, but is very, very capable in coverage as well. Yeah, that's the NFL these days. You know, you have to cover. You know, I, I know the a lot of a lot of fans they want to think you want a, a traditional free safety and a traditional strong safety, but that's not always the case. I mean, in the modern NFL, you know, both guys have to cover. And I know a lot of Bears fans will look at a guy like Eddie Jackson, and he's not the most physical guy. You know, he, he, he his 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 tackle comments that he's made in the past have you know you know not been the best comments mm-hmm. to make, but but you know he. Will stick his nose in there on occasion, you know, but he is better used in a different role. But I think with the pairing of these two, it really brings the entire secondary together. Of course, you know, the Bears also have, have Gordon, who they got, who you know, a, a previous pick in the second round. So the Bears' secondary overall, it's one of the most improved uh, position groups in the entire uh, on the entire team. And, and Brisker to me is, uh, I saw you mentioned the RAS there was 199 at the combine. He played probably closer to 205, 210. So I don't know whether he was dropping weight there for a 40 time, um, but he'll, he'll play a little bigger than that. And it's not going to be an issue against the run. You know, he's not afraid to stick his nose in there. Didn't he was injured a little bit, but didn't never miss time. Uh, I mean, he had a shoulder injury early on against Wisconsin and I don't think he missed the game throughout the year and didn't miss many snaps. So, so the toughness issue is not an issue there. Um, Really, really well adjusted to to today's game in terms of his versatility. And like I said, a, a smart player. He's not going to run himself out of plays. He's not going to know what his assignments are. Um, I really think that that's something that it wouldn't shock me if, if we find out that he came in and absolutely aced interviews. Yeah, I think that's a that's a recurring theme that we're we're seeing out of this draft class. Um, I, I like to call these types of players agents of chaos because they 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 basically act as like a queen on the chessboard where you can really maneuver them around the field and and really give yourself a lot of flexibility. So that, that's why I'm really excited about Brisker. Um, I, you mentioned that in your answer before this that he did, maybe didn't have the interception numbers that you might want. Um, you know, the eye popping numbers or something like that, but he wasn't really thrown to. I'm curious if you can remember back to to Amos, if he was like this in college, because in the pros, Amos didn't really make a lot of the splash plays, but mm-hmm. he was always in the right position. Like he just, he saw the field well, he knew his position and he, he, he always just was in the right place at the right time. And that's, that's why he always got really high grades mm-hmm. from PFF was because he, he was just a smart player. Uh, and so, but he didn't make those, those, those big, interceptions mm-hmm. or anything like that in the pros what kind of turnover ability do you see brisker having either you know does he have the ball skills to, to go up and get it if he's in coverage and has an opportunity and does he force fumbles at all and to me i think that you mentioned the amos thing he had the advantage of starting his career at corner and then playing free safety and then playing strong safety at penn state so he came in i think with that knowledge that was very very useful for brisker um, if the play's there to be made, he's going to, he's going to make it. He has good hands. Um, I don't think he's going to be chasing interceptions, which I think is, I mean, to me, can be a, a good thing. You know, you're not going to get burnt. Um, he's physical enough to stick, stick his hat in there and force fumbles. He'll, he'll get it under the pile. Um, again, I don't, I don't know that I would consider him like a ball hawk, but he's certainly able to track the ball. And if the play is there to be made, he's going to make it. You know, he, he described himself as an old school safety. And I know a lot of Bears fans, yep, yep. you know, when, when Bears fans hear that, you know, Bears fans think of, you know, you know, 
a, a great safety from yesteryear. And then one that comes to a lot of mind is, is Mike Brown, uh, who was a guy that played similar. He was a strong safety type, but he had some good ball skills as well. So, I mean, if, if Brisker can kind of, you know, come in and fill that, that's that similar role, like, 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 like you guys talk about, you know, a, a, a do it all kind of guy. It's just such a, such a great fit for what this Matt Eberflus defense wants to do. And to me, the, the name that comes to mind, and I'm not saying he's going to be this level of player because I don't think that would be fair, but a, a larger version of a Bob Sanders, a, a guy that's really going to hunt, hunt the ball, um, whether that's in coverage or just coming downhill, um, he's going to throw his head in there and make some tackles. But he's also, he didn't miss many tackles. He's not going to go chasing the big hit and suddenly there's a guy 10 yards down the field. But but really, really smart player who just, you look up and you're like, oh, look, he's around the ball again. Clay said it. He's the next Bob Sanders. Oh, That's man, like, that would be great. <laughs> hey, if he's a 10-time pro bowler, I said it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll give you we'll give you credit, man. Well, any final thoughts uh, or any – do you got another question, Lesser? No, we... we're good. I mean, I, I think with a, a Sanders is a good comp, though, because yeah. they played in similar defenses. You know, it's the Tampa 2 style of defense. I mean, yeah, with the Bears doing this coming up season, not the same thing that, you know, the Colts did back with Dungy. And, you know, the Bears, of course, they would love you. But it's similar schemes. It's a similar mentality you want uh, out of the safety position. And, and Brisker has that. I mean, you know, with, with Clay talked about how he came from from a Juco. You know, those guys are are, are fighting for everything. He wasn't a, a, a top recruit out of high school. He had to earn his stripes in Penn State. And he got there on campus and he did just that. And to me, I think it's lastly, the one thing I would note is it's important to note that he could have went to the draft last year. He probably would have been a third or fourth round pick, but he would, would have tested well like he did this year, would have had good tape, but came back, made huge strides again, turned himself into a borderline first round pick. And, and I think that there's something to be said for players that are happy to push themselves and see whether there's a next level beyond that next level so that. Uh, while I think that Jaquan Brisker is ready for the NFL currently, I think that there could be a better player in there even more so. Nice. Awesome. Well, I love to hear that, man. That's good stuff. I'm, he's already I'm, – I'm so excited to watch him in camp and, and see him uh, step on the field when when the, the games crank up. But, Clay, really appreciate the insight and really appreciate you jumping on here on a Sunday. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you down the line. Maybe we'll, we'll keep drafting Penn State players. Not a problem, guys. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Clay. See you. I, I, I mean, the first thing he said was – He's a good guy, yeah. right? Like he's a, he's a, you know, he's a good interview. He's gives thoughtful answers. You know, he's, he's someone who worked really hard to get where he was. Again, I think we're starting to see what Ryan Poles is interested in bringing into this organization and how he's trying to shape the foundation of what his Chicago Bears are going to look like. And I think it's pretty interesting. I think it's pretty exciting. Smart, heady football players, you know, good athletic profile. You know, this is a guy like I talked about, you know, he had to fight for everything he's got. And and, and I didn't realize that he, he thought about coming out, you know, last year. But but that's another thing. That's to me, that's a, that's a big plus in his corner that he wanted to do a one more year. He wanted to, you know, sh- show what he had. And man, can you imagine if there's even more better football yeah. in, in front of him? Yeah. That's that's good stuff. Yeah. Keep keep fighting. Keep developing. Yeah, it's really interesting stuff. So. Um, well, we'll uh, we'll wrap up here uh, this podcast. Uh, that's a little insight into Jaquan Brisker, a little insight into Doug Kramer earlier in the show. Appreciate both of those guys jumping on. Um, if you're interested in Big Ten football, I'd say that those guys are worth following. So you know the Champagne take- Room and the Black Shoe Diaries, uh, both the SB Nation college sites. So it's uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I, I don't watch a lot of college football, but I appreciate these guys that really live and die this stuff and are able to jump on and, and give us some insight into these players. Um, and of course, I won't be cheering for either Penn State or Illinois because, you know, you've got to cheer for the Hawkeyes. Uh, and he mentioned a Hawkeye, so at least he's he's in he's in good class there. But um, what do you got going on at the site? Anything interesting that we want to make sure people know about? Uh, you know, just today, the Bears actually made a couple of roster moves, so that's up on the site right now, actually. Uh, they made some tweaks with our undrafted free agents. Um, and speaking of undrafted free agents, I'm actually going to be back here on uh, Second City Ground and the podcast channel as well uh, with Jacob Infante on Wednesday nights. I'm going to have Jacob on, who was, of course, our lead draft analyst, and he is going to break down all of the undrafted free agents the Bears got. I mean, we know pretty much the 11 draft picks pretty good by now. But let's learn a little bit more about these. Uh, I think it's 18 undrafted free. So I'm going to have Jacob out on Wednesday. We're going to talk about that. Good stuff. Well, we'll get out of here for the podcast. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please go on and do that. Second City Gridiron. Uh, follow us on Twitter as well. And uh, we will see you down the line. And until next time, bear down. All right. Cool. Well, nice. I don't know if anybody has any uh, questions in the comments, but we'll take those real quick before we There was sign one asking about Olin Krutz RAS. I don't know if Olin has an RAS card, but those are really easy to find. You go to uh, uh you can go to, to Twitter. Look it up. Yeah, you're gonna look it up now. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure he has one. I think I looked one time before, but uh yeah, what else is there? Anything Anything else? I, another I, one about uh, Brisker. Yeah, with John, I agree. You know, it's nice that he could be a plug-and-play starter, but the fact that he has to be a plug-and-play starter is bad news for the Bears because, man, I mean, it's if, if they would have done a little more in, in free agency, um, I think that would be better. But, but again, if the Bears are getting two plug-and-play starters on day two of the draft, that really ties the entire secondary together. And then you mentioned Cruikshank and – you know, he is a good guy that comes in as, as a big nickel or a dime because he does come in and he cover guys out of the slot, the tight ends. And then you have a guy like uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, who I think is a good serviceable back backup. He can kind of play that that do-it-all role back there as well. Oh, there's Crutes right there. Now, the film on Crutes coming out was great. Yeah. I mean, so you got to remember, that. I mean, he's a, this guy's a football player. Third-round draft pick, but he was just – even in college, he was a nasty guy. You know, just he played with an edge. Right, but the the uh, testing numbers, you know, weren't weren't quite as was good. Yeah. And but you know, I mean, undersized was Cruz coming out. I remember that that knock on him. You know, when he came out, they said that, and you know, but 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 you know, I'm not trying to compare Kramer and Cruz because that's uh, you know, we're talking about a borderline Hall of Fame guy in Cruz and a guy who just was a six round draft pick. But you know, you do see some of the same the same technical stuff from both those guys coming out. You know, Cruz was undersized. He was a technically sound player. Kramer's kind of got that as well. He got some stuff to clean up, of course, but but it was uh, you know I, I'm excited on all of the uh, the Bears uh, you know day three draft picks. There's a lot of guys there, and you know who knows? I mean, like 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 Drew said earlier, if, if just one of those guys hits, that's a win because you don't expect your day three guys to come in and be you know big time contributors. But the way things line up now, one of those guys could be starting. Yeah, and. I... I mean, I get what you're saying. It's that uh, I get what John's saying that it's it's not uh, there's no competition for him, so it's easy it's easy to fill a you know blank void you know, like you're saying. But I also the potential's there. The upside, like there he's a, he's got upside, right? Yeah, I mean, he, this could be a guy that I mean, I'm excited to see what he looks like next to Eddie. 
Okay. I, I, I love Eddie Jackson. I know that's not a popular opinion. Um, I know he's had, he's had a couple of rough years, but you know, still, still love the player. And you, you want to see if that unlocks him. If it doesn't, it's an, it's also an Eddie Jackson replacement, right? Like Eddie Jackson, you know, may not, if he can't come back up to that level of play, then Eddie Jackson may be, you know, on the chopping block next year. So, you know, this, this roster is going to be reimagined. You know, I'm, I'm kind of remembering stories about when Dicka was hired and came in in like one of his first team meetings or his first team meeting basically said something to the effect of look around because most of you guys are going to be here next year. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's kind of that, right? I mean, you're, you're in a new regime, you, you know, there's a lot of, this is a gap year, whatever you want to call it, where, you know, they're not necessarily expecting. I like reset. That's what I call it. I call I, it a reset. Year. I called it a soft reset. And, uh, you know, I like Brandon, gap year too. Yeah, Brandon like said, uh, it's, what's soft about it? And I was like, yeah, it just doesn't feel like a hard reset. Cause you're not getting yeah. any quarterback. So kind of a gap year to try to reset the books a little bit, but yes, a reset, a gap year, whatever you want to say. Um, I, I, I think that this year can be a lot of fun, though. It might not be yes. a lot of fun in the win-loss record, but it's going to be a lot of fun to see what these guys have, to see this this culture change, um, and and see where this goes and see if it works. I'm I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, the, the draft was, you know, the, I wasn't as excited about all the picks, you know, at the time, but the more I die, I go into them, I look at them, I see what they're bringing to the Bears, and then, of course, you know, the minicamp happens and the players are talking, the coaches are talking, you know, it's it's hard as a fan not to get excited. And of course, yes, this is the time of year when everyone's excited. It's a time for hope. But but I'm okay with that. I'm a Bears fan first and foremost. I want to see my team win. And, and you know, right now we do have some hope. You know, there is something there. Justin Fields. You know, the the the, the arrows pointing up for him. The offense. The arrows pointing up for the offense. You know, Velas Jones is as as upset as most Bears fans were at that pick. I think we're starting to see. We're envisioning what they can do with him. He's not going to be a, a top tier guy. He's coming in to fill a role. And, and again, third round draft pick. He's not a, a top pick. You know, you're not expecting him to come in and be a, a, a top dog from the start, but coming in a nice role within the offense, you know, some other guys who helps other guys fall into place within what they want to do. It's, it's, it's exciting right now. So let's be excited. Yeah. Man, it's one thing to say, I just wish they would have drafted Hall of Famers with every pick, you know, and I wish they would have drafted five wide receivers and, you know, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty okay with, with, uh, with what happened and I'm, I'm getting more and more excited as I learn more about these young men and what they're bringing to the team and, and what Poles' vision is. And I think that's, you know, what we're trying to do is, is trying to figure that stuff out and share that and, and, and try to help piece that stuff together. So um, yeah, if you guys like this sort of thing, again, we'll we'll keep uh, we'll keep trying to track down some of these college guys um, and uh, see if we can bring some more on to to get some insight. Might be hard to find some of these smaller schools, but you know we'll reach out to them and, and see if we can bring on some beat writers and, uh, and and see what's going on. It's a little easier with the Power Five. <laughs> yeah, won't won't lie. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, I think we can probably close it out here. And any final thoughts from you? Sounds good. It's uh, it's Mother's Day. I got to go spend some time with my wife. Yeah, I got to go. Eat. I got to go get dinner going. So, um, go. all right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you soon.